From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. Today's guest is Dr. Rashid Patel, Medical Director of Freedom HealthWorks and owner and physician at Fisher's Direct Family Care. What's happened in the current market with insurance coverage and benefits and all that stuff is it's become really hard for a patient to understand what things cost. If I go to a physician, if I go to do an office visit, if I have a procedure, if I end up in the hospital, what is this care costing me? There's no transparency in that at all. And because of that, then for things that are not emergent, patients are just electing to not do it. They don't come into the office. They don't do the tests that we ask them to do. They don't go in for their follow-up visits because they, they don't know what the cost is. They end up with these surprise bills. And that clearly is not good for anyone. That just delays care. It makes small problems into big problems. And that really is what's affecting a lot of that quality that, they were, that we're looking for. And now, here's your Healthcare Americana host, Christopher Habig. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Healthcare Americana, the podcast that explores what healthcare really means. Today's guest, Dr. Rashid Patel, Medical Director of Freedom HealthWorks, owner and physician at Fisher's Direct Family Care. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Very welcome. So wanted to jump into this episode. Uh, obviously, you work with Freedom HealthWorks and your experience as an existing practice, among a litany of other things that you've been doing. Um Let's get in the meat of this conversation and just outright, let me ask you, why have you become such an ardent supporter and believer in the direct primary care movement? Well, I think the the simple answer is the current model of primary care is not sustainable. And so there has to be some other way to provide high quality uh, primary care in a manner that is sustainable for both physicians and patients and comes at a reasonable cost. And that's why I started looking into this model probably five or seven years ago and uh, back when I was still employed and have slowly made my way uh, through a number of means to opening my own direct primary care office a little over two years ago and being where we are here today. Now, you mentioned the word sustainability. What does that mean? How do you define sustainability from a patient and a physician standpoint? I think we can look at it in kind of three ways. First is just the cost side. I think we have all seen healthcare costs increasing double-digit percentage every year for the last decade, if not more. And that is not a sustainable path. And so that's that's the first thing, that we need to find something that actually reduces the cost of healthcare and can help bring that down. Um, second, I think the way physicians are uh, practicing in the current insurance-based fee-for-service environment, uh, they're getting burnt out. They're having to do more and more administrative and non-clinical work that doesn't actually bring good value to patients. And, uh, and that is another non-sustainable model. At, at this pace, we're going to have physicians leaving the profession. We're going to have uh, a shortage of physicians as we already do. We're going to have that even worse if uh, we continue down that path. And finally, just the way healthcare has become, it's become so complex that I think from a quality standpoint, I think we're, we're trying all these things to improve quality, but I think it's backfiring just because it's increasing just the amount of administrative stuff. And I think we're losing some of that ability to provide high quality, coordinated, complex care to the patients that really deserve it. And that was going to be my next question there as, you know, cost is definitely an issue. I think there's a pricing issue too within mm-hmm. healthcare and cost and price for kind of the uh, double-edged sword right there. But how does that affect patients when, like you said, the conditions that are affecting physicians, what's going on with them professionally, personally, how does that stress of trying to take care of this many patients of you know, 30, 40 patients a day, how does that affect your patient lives when you were practicing uh, in the traditional healthcare model, you mentioned the word quality, and quality can mean a lot of different things mm-hmm. to people. 
So how did how did these these huge volumes of patients that you were seeing to make it sustainable in this kind of a hamster wheel? How did that affect the level of care and and the the patients' lives? Yeah, I think the first part of that question, what what is the cost doing on the patient side? What's happened in the current market with insurance coverage and benefits and all that stuff is it's become really hard for a patient to understand what things cost. If I go to a physician, if I go to do an office visit, if I have a procedure, if I end up in the hospital, what is this care costing me? There's no transparency in that at all. And because of that, then for things that are not emergent, Patients are just electing to not do it. They don't come into the office. They don't do the tests that we ask them to do. They you know, don't go in for their follow-up visits because they, they don't know what the cost is. They end up with these surprise bills. And that clearly is not good for anyone. That just delays care. It makes small problems into big problems. And that really is what's affecting a lot of that quality that, they were, that we're looking for. Yeah. Is that a tough concept to get across to patients saying, hey, Dr. Patel, why should I pay more out of pocket to you to join your practice? It is and it isn't. I think sometimes uh, patients are familiar with those su- surprise bills. So even though they say, okay, my current insurance plan covers a free physical every year, but I know when I went two years ago, I ended up with a $200 bill three months later because after they did all the coding and whatnot. So they're they're familiar with that concept. And so when I say, hey, if here's my monthly fee in my office, you will never have a surprise bill without you and I talking about it first and knowing the exact cost of it. Mm-hmm. They, they can kind of resonate with that. And then also when it comes to labs and medications, I think they're familiar as well sometimes of how expensive things can end up being uh, You trying to use their insurance to pay for things. Yeah. Do you ever have a conversation with somebody who they just don't get it? We do. And they, they typically don't end up as a patient in our office. We, that usually ha- <laughs> yeah. happens on the phone when somebody calls and asks if we take a certain insurance. And when we try to explain that we don't bill insurance, we do things a little bit in a diff- different model. Some people just don't get it mm-hmm. and it's okay. And I've been telling myself and my staff that, you know, we're not, we can't convince everybody. Sure. So try what you can, but then at some point, some people will just uh, go in a different direction. That's okay. Yeah. Have you had anybody that called and said, Hey, I called a couple months ago and I didn't understand it until I actually tried to go see another doctor, couldn't get into that office. And now I realize the brilliance of this model. Uh, We we've had that. I've actually had a patient who canceled their membership and then two months later called back and said, I I can't handle this anymore. I want to come back. And so we, you know, we kind of had that conversation, but we let them back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's all very valuable stuff. So, and, and I'm curious to hear in your words, your journey into DPC. Sure. Yeah. So I, you know, I was employed by one of the local hospitals here and, and had been practicing for several years and I, and I, I didn't dislike it. I, we had a great office. I had great partners. I felt supported by our network, but what happened over time is I just found myself doing more and more work. Again, that's not clinical. It's not that I'm taking good care of the patient. I'm now checking boxes. I'm filling out forms. I'm doing billing tasks. And, you know, I know some of that's required, but as that volume grew and grew, I realized there has to be a better way of providing care. And there was another moment I had in the office where I was looking at my schedule. I had, you know, 25, 30 patients on the schedule. And I was just looking down and seeing who's coming in for what reason. And I realized half of these visits didn't need to physically be in the office. I could have called a couple of people. This one just needed an email. This one just needed, probably could have visited my nurse and just had them take care of some simple recheck my blood pressure, that type of thing. So it made me realize that we're doing all of this because this is the only way that I can bill for it. Mm-hmm. I have to bring these people into the office because that's the billing code that their insurance will quote unquote cover or pay for. But uh, there, there has to be a better way. And so that, that's when I, that took me down that path of looking into direct primary care, eventually uh, through a couple stops, opening my own office a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a, that's an incredible concept too, that is almost proprietary to DPC in the way that you practice specifically that 
you don't need to come into the office to be making money. Correct. And obviously, yeah. you have to make money to keep your practice open. It'd be great if everything was so altruistic that you yep. know didn't need it in a, in a in a very utopian sense. Mm-hmm. But in this manner, you're showing people that you really value their time too. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, and I've really, when I opened my office, kind of based it on two tenets. Um, one was access. I, I really wanted to make sure that there was no barrier between a patient coming in to see me and I, definitely not cost. And so it, it was, I want to make sure that you can come in any way you want to. Some people love coming in to see me face to face. That's fine. If you want to do things over the telephone, do it by email. It's your choice. And for me, it's just about when you have a medical concern or a need, um, you figure out what's the best way to get a hold of me and, and we'll make sure that we get you taken care of in the appropriate way. And the second thing that, that kind of builds on that is the use of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing that I saw in my employed position that we, there was a lot of new technology, whether it's uh, video visits, whether it's uh, telehealth options that we just weren't utilizing because nobody knew how to pay for it. It wasn't covered by insurance. And do we want the patients to pay out of pocket and just became a murky thing of how do we get this paid for? And then we just ignored it because we didn't, we couldn't figure that out. So in this case, because everything's just a flat monthly fee, whatever uh, modality we use, if it's a cool platform or a technology that will bring benefit or value to my patients, we're going to adopt it. And uh, we don't have to worry about how it's going to get paid for. It's all covered in the membership. Mm-hmm. What a, what a novel concept, right? It Compared is, to yeah. where you came from before. Yep. And we always joke that there's no, there's no billing code. There's no CPT ICD code for healing somebody. Mm-hmm. It's all episodic yeah. based care that you have to yep. be in the office. You can't get paid for uh, taking those late uh, on call hours on the weekends. Nope. It's, it's all about that relationship building. Mm-hmm. And that's something we have more time for now as we have more time for our office visits and, and that constant communication, whether it's through email or, uh, or on just on the telephone. But because I talk to my patients a lot more, uh, we're, we're building that relationship and, and yeah, there's no code for that. Mm-hmm. What has been the biggest surprise either from patients or that you've experienced in taking care of people now that you've been in your practice, your DPC practice at Fisher mm-hmm. Direct, what's the one thing that surprised you over these past couple of years? Um, I, you know, I kind of conceptually knew this going in. I, I knew I would have more time for my patients and I would have more contact with them. But that's the thing that surprised me. And what's really been surprising is my patient's reaction to that availability. So uh, a lot of times I answered the telephone in the office and I've had a couple of patients who called and I answered and they said, oh, excuse me, I think I have the wrong number. I was just trying to call it and schedule an appointment. And I said, no, you have the right number. And this is Dr. Patel. And I'm happy to schedule your appointment for you. You know, my nurse was busy doing something else. So I answered the phone. So I think patients just get really like pleasantly surprised Mm -hmm. at how accessible it is. And when they come into the office and I'm just sitting there as well. And, you know, I greet them at the door and they said, this has never happens before. I would barely see the doctor for five minutes in the exam room. And here they are welcoming at the door when I walk in. And and so it's been refreshing to see that. And I, I hope that I hope that becomes the norm down the line. I hope we can really change this trend of of moving away from these small, very short visits to kind of really having that long interaction with your with your physician. Yeah, that's amazing. You're probably talking to people answering the phone for the first time who probably haven't spoken to a doctor in quite a while, let alone yeah. when they call in to try to make an appointment or find more information out. Yep, absolutely. Does everybody does anybody think that hey, this is too good to be true? What's the catch? A little bit. Yeah, we've had some of that. And, and, I, and I will say that you know, one thing that is my practice is still kind of new and we're growing. We have that ability. And but my goal really is even as we continue to grow and add patients to not lose that that touch that we have. So that's something we'll we'll address as we continue to grow. But right now it's been great for our patients. Now, I want to ask you a question because this is something that that I know you brought up in the past um, when dealing with traditional 
uh, healthcare debates. Um, we hear it from the feds a lot and Congress discussing what they call healthcare reform. But I think people in the DPC community and on the grassroots really know that this is health insurance reform that they're trying to do. And this buzzword keeps coming up, pre-existing conditions. Yep. And I think this is this was a great line that you had a while ago. Um, and I wanted to ask about it. Um, so I, w- I wanted to get your take on what a pre-existing condition is and how that relates to a patient who is in your practice now. Yeah, I mean, a, a pre-existing condition is really just any medical condition that may have been that the patient has experienced in the past. And so they already have that diagnosis. Um, they could be uh, chronic things such as somebody has high blood pressure or has diabetes. That would be a pre-existing condition. But it could also be something that happened episodically in the past. Uh, somebody two years ago had a kidney stone. Well, yeah, now you you're at risk for another kidney stone. You don't actively have that. But that could also be a pre-existing condition. And so I think what's happened with um, health insurance plans, sometimes they can exclude or charge higher rates for those pre-existing conditions because, uh, you know, they, their justification is, well, you're going to be more expensive to take care of as a patient moving forward. So we want to charge a higher rate. So in our office, we don't exclude for any pre-existing conditions. Really, any patient can come in uh, regardless of your health history. We are going to take care of you as a patient moving forward, doing everything that we need to. There's no difference in cost. We have a simple age base. We have children and adults. That's the only two tiers that we have in our office. I know that varies from office to office a little bit, but nothing about doesn't matter how healthy or unhealthy you are. We will see you and take care of you in our office. Yeah, so it sounds like pre-existing conditions. This, this buzzword you keep hearing in the national debates yeah. was pretty much a construct of third-party payers. It, it, it's really, that's where it comes most often is, is it with insurance. So there's been some change with the Affordable Care Act that you, you insurance companies can no longer exclude for pre-existing conditions. Prior to that, we would hear all the stories of somebody that's really unable to get insurance because they couldn't, you know, they couldn't pass the medical screening to, to get that. Mm-hmm. So now we don't have that ability. I would say because of that, some of the prices have gone higher with, uh, you know, they, they, they do, they do tier it based on age but the premiums have gotten a lot higher from that standpoint. So, but that really is, is down to an insurance framework as opposed to actually providing care in our office. And that's one of the other benefits of decoupling and understanding that coverage insurance does not equal care. Correct. Yeah. I think that's where really the value lies within what you're doing with your practice and how you can take care of a wide array of people. And you actually see them as people, not Mm -hmm. as conditions or codes or anything like that come through your door. Right. So let's change gears real quick. Um, let's talk about your activity uh, as, as medical director of Freedom HealthWorks. Talk to us a little bit about uh, some of your initiatives there, what you're seeing from an industry standpoint, because it's a total different shift uh, in viewpoint than what a lot of physicians are seeing out there. So now you have the ability to control where an organization goes within DPC. So let's uh, you know talk to the listeners a little bit about some of the initiatives uh, that, you're, that you're working on and some of the direction that uh, you're kind of looking in your crystal ball and saying, mm-hmm. okay, we think this is a good idea here. We want to move there and we want to help physicians out by doing this. Yeah, I think you know, when we look at the whole goal and the, the, what Freedom HealthWorks does for DPC physicians as a whole, it really is to help connect them and to help them reduce the risk of owning and operating their own office. So a lot of things that are a little bit beyond me when it comes to the insurance side and 
it comes to the HR and administrative and legal stuff, you know, that that's something that you guys work on at Freedom Health Works. What I would really like to do is help the physicians be more clinically connected to each other. Um, this is something when I was uh, in my employed position, I had, you know, five physicians, six physicians in my office with me on a day in and day out basis. So if I had questions, I can just go down the hall, talk to one of my partners or, hey, I've got this rash. Do you mind coming in real quick and taking a look at that? Now that most of us DPC in, in the DPC offices are all by ourselves, um, we don't have that clinical connection that we were used to. And we're, we all own and operate our own practices. And so we're, we're not part of a network or an organization like that. So this is kind of our way of bringing those physicians together from a clinical standpoint to uh, make them feel like, hey, you're, you're not out there by yourself. You've got some partners, quote unquote, and you've got some people that can help out. You can bounce ideas off of. Um, and, and we're trying to work to, to make that community a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. So talk through a little bit more about what, what value are the physicians seeing out of this community, out of these forums that you're putting together? Yeah. So one of the, one of the things you had mentioned, the forums, we're, we're trying to meet on a monthly basis to bring some of these physicians together. Uh, we've been doing them in person. We're going to start doing some virtually as well over, over the lunch hour. So that may help kind of broaden our geographic scope a little bit for our physicians. Um, but we, we share a number of topics. So some of them are clinically oriented. So uh, one of our physicians may have a specialty or an interest in a certain area that maybe some of us don't have. And so they'll spend uh, the 30, 40 minutes sharing their expertise and their knowledge about a clinical topic with the rest of the physicians that we can then take back and use in our own offices. Um, some of it ends up being business related. So we talk about, uh, you know, for example, the use of telehealth. How do we effectively use telehealth with our patients to communicate with them efficiently? How do we make sure that we are, we're not inundated with messages and how do we handle that efficiently? And maybe one physician has figured out a good way of handling that and uh, maybe somebody didn't know about that. So we share those ideas and, and are able to, to bring that to all the offices. Yeah. And that specifically is a, is a huge value add because to a lot of physicians, telehealth could be something that is a totally foreign concept yet is so important to the core of DPC services. Correct. Yep. And, and, you know, I think when we have this group of physicians as well, there's a wide variety of experience as well. Some of us, Mm -hmm. you know, have been looking at and, and doing DPC for several years. We've got some new physicians who just joined us in the last six months. And so, uh, we have uh, quite a bit of, of, uh, information, uh, differences there. And so kind of even evening that out and kind of sharing information in in both directions, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the move towards virtual forums. Um, Is that in order to get more people in attendance or to widen the geographic reach? I think it's both. We've seen, we our our prior, uh, pattern had been doing monthly forums in the evenings. And, um, you know, we all live busy lives with families and other events. And so sometimes there was months where the attendance was low. So our thought was if we uh, put some of them during the lunch hour in the middle of the week, that's a time that we can kind of block and and preserve for these forums on a monthly basis. So part of it is to get more people involved, but then part of it is also we have physicians now that are in Florida and we're looking in North Carolina. And so how do we connect all those people? You know, they're not going to meet us physically once a month. So Mm -hmm. on a virtual basis, they can log into the webinar just like the rest of us and, and still interact and, and meet together. Mm-hmm. Do you find that within these forums, when physicians are interacting with each other, there's also a social element to build? It's more of a friendship? Definitely. That's outside the professional scope? Yep. And, that, and that's why we also didn't want to 
do away with the in-person forums altogether. So our plan is still to maybe on a quarterly basis, get together physically in person and have a little bit of a social event, maybe do some of that learning activity. But over this time, over the last couple of years since we've been doing these, I've gotten to know everyone's families and their kids and where have you gone on vacation? And we've had a wedding in the family. And so it's, it has been definitely nice. And that's, that's the collegiality that you would otherwise miss just being by yourself in your office. I used to have that when I was employed because we had a lot of partners and a lot of other physicians in our, in our network. Uh, but now this is kind of my new kind of network or, or group of physicians that I can, can socialize with. Mm-hmm. So it, it is nice. Do other physicians that you talk to who aren't participating in the forums or perhaps are outside of Freedom Health Works who set their, set their practices up by themselves. When you talk to them, do they express interest in that social element in the connectivity um, even in the professional or the, or the personal space, I, basically, do they miss interacting with other physicians now that they have their own independent practice? I think they do. I think it varies from person to person. They, mm-hmm. they probably do to a degree more than they realize. And, and I know this, uh, even some of the physicians that are doing DPC that aren't part of Freedom Health Works, I get emails from them every now and then asking, oh, hey, I, I need a patient that needs a colonoscopy. What do you do with that? Or I have this uh, clinical scenario. What do you do? And so they are reaching out maybe informally in that sense. So I think they they do that. Um, I think physicians also get some of that personal attention and stuff from other places. So there are other medical societies and other places that they may be getting some of that but, but I think this is a great benefit. So whether they realize it or not, this could definitely be helpful in their practice, not only professionally, but also from a personal standpoint to still make them feel a part of a group and, and have that connection with other physicians. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, this, the, the element that nobody is practicing on an island, nobody is in a silo by themselves is very, very powerful. And there's a lot of value there. Um, in addition to the forums, in addition to some of the other things you're working on, how do we continue educating physicians about direct primary care or that there is a different way to practice medicine other than just the straight employment model. Yeah, I, I think it's really just getting out there and and uh, and continuing to educate it through a number of, of means. I, I've spoken at a number of conferences, um, both uh, here in Indiana as well as regionally, about direct primary care. And this is just in front of a group of other primary care doctors or family doctors. And so I think a, a lot of uh, physicians, most physicians probably at this point have heard of direct primary care. Some of them still may not understand the, the details behind it and how it would work. And I, I think I've developed a list of kind of common misconceptions that a lot of physicians have about direct primary care. And so that's something I I bring right up front. I said, these are probably things that are going through your mind right now of why this wouldn't work or what's this, what's the issue with this. And I will bring that right up and try to offer some solutions. There are still some questions out there about it, but uh, we bring up a lot of solutions about that. So I think that's one way. And I think the other thing that we're we're working on and another, uh, other organizations are working on as well is some type of toolkit or or, or an academy as as we're calling it Mm -hmm. um, to help educate physicians about, Hey, if you really did want to do this, what are the steps you would take? And what are the things that you would think about to to leave an employed position and open your own office. And I think sometimes when physicians see that, they then it becomes a more conceptual, uh, realistic goal to say, you know, this nebulous idea of opening an office is daunting. But if all of a sudden somebody gives me a step-by-step toolkit of here's the things I need to do and here's the steps that I need to take, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit more attainable. Mm-hmm. And so that may also just kind of spur a little bit of of, uh, you know, motivation for some people to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing some of the misconceptions that you hear a lot? Probably the biggest one that we, that I hear a lot, which this is one that again, we don't have good answers for is, uh, because our patient panels are smaller. They said that, Hey, if every family doctor in the country all of a sudden switched to DPC, we're going to have even a larger shortage of, of primary care doctors than we already do. And on the surface, those numbers 
that would seem like it would be a, a, a concern. Um, but we also have the situation like your parents, for example, who are ready to retire. Mm-hmm. And now that they are doing DPC or have extended their career five, 10, who knows how long you know, they're, they'll continue to practice because they're now in a DPC model as opposed to, hey, I can't do this insurance model anymore. I'm going to retire. So there, there's all kinds of solutions that may come out of that. But, um, but that, that's probably the biggest one that we hear from physicians. Yeah, and it's hard to quantify. It's hard to put a number on prolonging a physician's career or keeping them in medicine too. I know in mm-hmm. previous episodes, yep. we've talked to physicians who say, hey, I, I was probably going to be out of medicine in my 30s and 40s if it weren't for this type of a model. But that's very hard to, to quantify. And that's not a great political talking point either when you're when you're discussing this yeah. type of... It, it's, yeah, so so that's that, so anyway, just going to get back to you know educating physicians about mm-hmm. some of the misconceptions about it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are, are miscon- uh, have misconceptions about the cost of DPC, the, the membership cost. Can patients afford it? Um, sure. they, they equate it with concierge care, which really is at a higher price point. And so really breaking down the numbers and saying, hey, your patient are already paying a lot of money out of pocket, even if they have insurance, if they have high deductible plan, look at, just do the comparison cost, you know, from, from apples to apples. And you'll see that it's actually not that much more, or it's not that different from the out of, from the out of pocket costs for patients. No, that's fantastic. Um, before we wrap up this evening, if somebody is interested in learning more about the forums, the Freedom HealthWorks Direct Primary Care Academy as a toolkit mm-hmm. to help educate people, what's the best way for them to reach out to you, contact you? I probably would just start at freedomhealthworks.com, our, our website, and it has all the information laid out there, not only from the academy, what, what it what, uh, entailed in, in the different sessions or different uh, chapters in the academy. Um, it has the services that Freedom HealthWorks offers to a physician. So um, laying out kind of if you were using us to help open your practice or, or manage it, these are the things that we would do for you. And then our contact information is on there. So you know they can always get a hold of myself or some of the other staff at Freedom HealthWorks to, to get more information that way as well. Fantastic. Any last words of wisdom to a physician who's thinking about going into direct primary care? Yeah, I've said this before, and I think the DPC community is one that is willing to help and and tutor other other physicians. So the first thing, if you are thinking about this, is whether it's myself or any other currently practicing DPC doctor, just go talk to them. We're happy to meet you for coffee. If it's if you're farther away, we'll I'll chat with you on the phone. But you need to you need to hear from us so you can kind of get a better understanding of what is it like to practice in a DPC environment. Because again, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. But if you're really thinking about this, come talk to us. Uh, we'll give you the resources and the tools to, to educate yourself, and then you can decide on your own if it's right for you or not but definitely reach out and make that first step. Yeah, people are always always willing to help out in any way possible. Absolutely, yep. Well, Dr. Patel, thanks for coming by tonight. Appreciate this. No problem, it was my pleasure. Absolutely. Everybody, thanks for listening to another episode here at Healthcare Americana. Don't forget to share our episodes, subscribe, like on any platform you're listening to. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at freedomhealthworks.com. 